thanks for that, my buzz. You're right, eh? a very special happy Mother's Day here. Second Mother's Day that we celebrate together at Freedom Church. And so on Mother's Day, we're starting a brand new series. You can look at it on the screen. This is what we've decided to call it. Seven Ordinary People, One Savior. Seven Ordinary People, One Savior. Encountering Jesus. Seven Ordinary People Encountering Jesus in a different way. And so we're starting our series today looking at a very ordinary woman and how she encounters Jesus. Turn with me in your Bibles. Open up your smartphones to Luke chapter 7. We're going to be in verse 36 today. Now one of the Pharisees, say Pharisees. Pharisees are one of the guys, one of the main oaks in the church. They're one of the holy guys, the wealthy guys, because they've got like business connections. They're kind of the guys who control the economy and the spiritual climate in the city and in the church. So these are the main oaks, the Pharisees. A Pharisee invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house and he reclined at the table. Now, when we read this, we realize there's a whole lot of things that are missing here. Because when you invite me to your house, you'll meet me at the door. You'll say, welcome. You'll bring me into your home. Maybe offer me a drink. You switch the TV off. That's just manners. When they turn the TV off for me, it's like saying, hey, you welcome here into my home. I'm going to turn the TV off, give you my full attention, give you a drink. And then they sit you down and you recline at the table. So there's a process of protocol which this Pharisee completely missed. In those days, the times that you lived in, you meant to put your hand on his shoulder at the door. You meant to give him a kiss on the cheek. You meant to wash his feet at the door, get your servant or your, your slave to wash his feet. Then put a bit of olive oil on his forehead and then he would recline at the table. It doesn't happen here with this Pharisee. Okay. Keep your finger there in Luke 7. Let's go back just one page, Luke chapter 5, and look at another story of another experience that Jesus had in somebody else's home. Verse 27. It says, After this, Jesus went out and he saw a tax collector by the name of Levi, that's Matthew, sitting at the tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, he left everything, and he followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. This is a big party in Matthew's house for Jesus. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with him. But the Pharisees, say Pharisees, this guy, this Pharisee in chapter 7, he didn't want to have dinner with Jesus. He just wanted to question Jesus. He didn't actually welcome Jesus into his house. He just wanted to put Jesus on the spot and expose him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. To repentance. You see what happened in these two different stories, friends. In Luke chapter 5, Jesus said to the sinner, follow me. 
and he ends up in his house. He's made more welcome at a sinner's home than what he was in Luke chapter 7 at a religious person's house. Friends, please understand the difference here between these two houses. By today's standards, one has probably got cigar smoke and whiskey, maybe foul language and below the belt jokes around the bar. The other one's got candlesticks and scriptures written on the wall. One is probably full of prostitutes and swindlers and fraudsters, and the other home is full of religious people. One home welcomes Jesus, and the other home wanted Jesus in their home because they wanted to question him. Let's go back to Luke 7, the home of the Pharisee, the religious oak. We're going to read about an ordinary woman who did something extraordinary in this home. But to understand the story, you have to know that this woman had already had an encounter with Jesus. So this is not the first time that she's meeting Jesus. She's coming now to express her love to Jesus. Very important. It's not her expressing her love to Jesus that got her saved. She is already saved. She's just coming to express now her love to Jesus. You've got to understand that, okay? Otherwise, you're not going to get the story. So we're in the Pharisee's home. Jesus is reclined at the table, and we're going to pick it up in verse 37. He's sitting at the table when a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town, the theologians tell us she's a prostitute. Maybe she was at the previous dinner in Luke chapter 5. Maybe that's where she met Jesus and surrendered and got saved at that home. At that dinner party, she learned that Jesus was sitting at the Pharisee's house. She bought an alabaster jar of perfume, and as she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, she kissed them, and she poured perfume on them. There were only two types of women in those days. Who had alabaster jars of perfume. It was very, very expensive. And they lived in a Mediterranean climate. It's very hot. So people stink. Bad body odor. Rich women had an alabaster jar which they put over their necks. It had this small pinprick of a head on it. And it would be filled up with expensive perfume. It would hang around your neck. And it would just give off a drop. Every now and again, a small drop, tiny drop that gave off a big fragrance that would neutralize the sweat of the Mediterranean climate that they lived in. Rich women and prostitutes. And prostitutes' sweat would come from serving men. And this was her marketing tool to neutralize the sweat of her labor and of her sin. She would wear this around her neck. So that when she went back on the street, she would have an aroma which came off of her. And this alabaster jar of perfume was bought by serving many, many, many men. And it was wasted on just one man. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, say he said to himself, if this man was a prophet, he would have known 
who is touching her, him, and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. I love this. Because Simon says something to himself, but Jesus knows what's happening inside of his head. Check what Jesus does. Jesus answered Simon. Simon, I've got something to tell you. I want to tell you a story. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he cancelled the debts of both. Say both. Now, which one of them will love him more? Remember, this woman has already had her debt cancelled. Which one of them will love him more? I wonder what Simon's thinking as Jesus is telling him the story. He's thinking, maybe, maybe, maybe this, this man is a prophet. Maybe he knows what I'm thinking. Because Simon replies, ah, I suppose the one who has the bigger debt cancelled. You've judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? Why don't you stand up, sir? And you, ma'am, can you stand up? He turns towards the woman, but he says to Simon, he's speaking to Simon, but he's looking at the woman. He's addressing Simon. He's wanting to speak to Simon. And he says, Simon, do you see this woman? You know what happens in the church when we in the church for a long time? You've grown up in church all your life. You've gone to Sunday school. Sometimes we don't really see. Like really, really see. Thank you. Keep me seated. Do you see this woman? I came into your house, Simon. You didn't give me any water for my feet. You dishonored me. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, Simon. But this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, Simon. But she's poured perfume on my feet. You can't pour perfume out of an alabaster jar. Why? Because it's got a very, very small pinprick of a head. The only way you can pour perfume out of an alabaster jar is if you open the neck of that alabaster jar and you pour out the perfume. And I want to say to you today, maybe God wants to open the neck of your life today so that you can pour out on Jesus the perfume of your life. Verse 47, therefore, I tell you, her many sins, her many, many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go. And the actual Greek word is go into peace there are two scriptures two pictures on the screen that i want us to look at that are going to help us get this story explained clearly today the first way we read the bible is like this you see that first picture on the screen the valleys and the mountains when we read the bible it is either humbles us or it builds us up isaiah 40 says that every mountain must be made low 
Every valley must be lifted high so that the glory of the Lord can come. That's the glory line in the middle there, friends. And what we find in this story are two people, a Pharisee who is very, very arrogant and a prostitute who is very humble. And what God is trying to do is build up the prostitute and humble the Pharisee down so that the glory of God can come. What's the glory of God? I was standing outside a high school on Thursday morning and someone said to me, describe God. Yo, they put me on the spot. And Exodus 34 came to mind. God's character. Describe God. He is compassionate. He and gracious. He is slow to anger. Abounding in love. Abounding in faithfulness. Maintaining love to thousands. Fraudsters. Adulterers, prostitutes, forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. And this lady has started to understand God, and so she gets to the glory line. But this other man, he's too arrogant and too hum, too, he's too way too arrogant to humble himself and to get to that glory line. The second picture is this one: there's a line to the left. There's a line to the right, and in the middle, that's the middle line, the straight road that we've been speaking about here, living on the straight road, getting on the straight road, staying on the straight road. God always wants to realign us to the left or to the right so that we can come back and stay on the straight road. Isaiah 30 says, if you move to the left or if you move to the right, there will be a voice. If you've been saved and given your life to Jesus, there will be a voice behind you saying, this is the way, this is the way, walk in it. And so we've all got a pulling inside of us to move to the left or to move to the right. This woman has moved left and has lived a very wild life. And the Pharisee, he's moved to the right and he's tried to obey God, but it's been all about religion and rules and he's got no joy there's no excitement living for Jesus. There's no passion. And actually both are wrong. And so what's happened in this story is that this woman has come back to Jesus so he can align her. But this man, he's like the older brother in Luke 15. When he sees the dancing, when he hears the music, he becomes offended. Because inside of every single one of us is a Pharisee. And true freedom Offends Pharisees. Amen? So on Mother's Day 2019, I want to ask you two questions this morning. Number one, what do you see? And number two, is there a Pharisee inside of me? Is there a Pharisee inside of you and I? You must understand the culture at that time. If you were living as a woman in that time, you couldn't vote. Have a look at your fingers, ladies. You voted this week. In those days, you weren't allowed to vote. Women had no standing in society. Women were not allowed to go into any religious institutions. But this woman, who had seen Jesus, this woman had had an encounter with Jesus. And now she understands Jesus. And so with courage... She walks into a religious house of highly ranked Pharisees and she doesn't give a hoot about what they think. Because when Jesus is preached properly, women find courage 
to be women. People say, ah, the church puts women down. No, friends, the church is meant to release women into the fullness of courage. And this sinful woman, who was seen as a debauched and a disgusting woman, understood she can go into any forum and not care about whether they would accept her or not, because Jesus would not reject her. And when the Pharisee said to himself, if this man was a prophet, he would know who was touching him. Ah, Jesus knew very well who was touching him. But Jesus defended her. On Mother's Day, I want to say to the mothers and women here today, you can go into any forum and hold your own in any business situation because it doesn't matter if men pull you down. It doesn't matter what your husband says or doesn't say. It doesn't matter what your ex-husband has said. Jesus will defend you. She came with courage to Jesus and she didn't care about the Pharisees. And then she took the marketing of her business. She took the thing that brings her business. And maybe today you sitting here saying, Daryl, are you going to break a bottle of perfume here? Expensive perfume. There are people sitting here who are battling to put food on the table. That's the point. That's exactly the point, friends. She took everything and she poured it out on the feet of Jesus. What markets your business, ma'am? If you're a physiotherapist, your hands market your business. It's like taking your hands and giving them to Jesus and saying, Jesus, these are yours. She took a bottle of perfume and she smashed it on the feet. And poured out and poured out that perfume. Can you smell it? Can you smell this perfume? It's beautiful. And as the Pharisees stood there, that fragrance started to fill the house. Can you smell it? She took her marketing and she said, I'm going to open the neck of this thing. I'm going to pour it out on the feet of Jesus because I'm very sinful. But he has forgiven much and I'm going to give him everything and the pharisee stands there and says what's all this about it was a morning a few months ago when a mom was walking down cambridge street she walked out her house left her home and somebody recognized her walking turned around in their car and went back and said are you okay and she said i gotta walk and pray i gotta walk and pray she was going through a massive, massive crisis in her life. And in her emotional state, she was walking down Cambridge Street, tears streaming down her face. Walking and praying, walking and praying, pouring out everything to Jesus. You know, Nanette, you are a pioneering Amazing woman in this church, in our city. You are pioneering a culture of change here in our city. And you come and you pour out and pour out here on a Sunday. Your life is like a fragrance in this church. And so today, 
on Mother's Day, we honor you and give you this perfume as you continue to pour out and pour out and pour out for Jesus. You know, friends, this story in the Bible, I think it's in the Bible to show us that actually there's an extravagance to Christianity where we worship him freely and holy and extravagantly. I want to say, bring your marketing and your resources, bring your intellect and pour it out on the feet of the one who forgave your sin. This woman, she comes with courage and she opened that alabaster jar and poured the perfume over Jesus' feet. And then she let her hair down. She let down her hair. You know, women in the East always have their hair tied up. In 94, they asked the president of Iran, they said to him, Mr. President, why is it that women always tie up and cover their hair? And he said, it's because the bounce of a woman's hair is very appealing to a man. And so women would tie up their hair and cover their hair. And the only time she ever let down her hair was in front of her husband. The only person that could see her intimate was her, was her husband. And this woman, in front of all the religious leaders of the day, said to heck with you guys. I'm going to let my hair down for Jesus. I'm going to trust this man. I'm going to make myself vulnerable in front of this man. I'm going to unbundle it. And I'm going to wipe his feet with it. Janine, why don't you stand this morning? She's a single mom in the church. As many other moms here today are also single moms. I said last year on Mother's Day, when we honored all the mothers, I, I said I have a new respect for single moms. Because I see them fetching, carrying, driving up and down, doing homework, disciplining. I see them having to do everything. But as I see some of your stories unfold, I have another new respect for you today. I see at times how the loneliness can be overwhelming. And how being vulnerable makes it easy to trust another man. And sometimes trusting another man who is not actually trustworthy. I want to say to the single moms today, you can pour out your heart and you can let your hair down at the feet of Jesus and be vulnerable because he is trustworthy. And so to the single moms here this morning, we honor you. Can we give them a hand? I walked into church this morning. I bumped into a lady. And I said to her, Happy Mother's Day. And she said, My daughter is in heaven. And she started to weep. And she told me the story that 39 years ago, her daughter, who was just 10 and a half days old, died. And as we stood outside, we prayed and, and thanked God that one day we can look forward to the day when she will be united again with her daughter. And I think of parents that have lost children. 
And, and how moms over the years have just poured out and poured out and poured out on Jesus, yes, but how they also just keep pouring out on their children. How you, how you, man, poured out everything you had on your daughter. How you worked many long hours with your husband to put your daughter through school and varsity and you poured out financially and poured out and poured out and poured out. And how is your daughter in her young adult years, you and your daughter became best friends. And there was a deep, deep bond there. It's incredible to see moms become best friends with their young adult kids. Something special about that. And then your daughter got married, ma'am. And how you realized that you can no longer be best friends with your daughter. Because that role needed to be fulfilled by her husband. And when you made that decision to pull back. Yo, it's tough, eh? Sometimes making the, the, the right choices are the tough decisions. And then your daughter and her husband immigrated. And those years of pouring and pouring and pouring out on your daughter. I want to say those years have not been wasted. I think that one of the reasons your daughter decided to study social work is because you poured out and poured out and invested in your daughter's life. And her friends would have looked at their friend's mom and thought, wow, what a special mom. And right now. In New Zealand, as your daughter is helping other social workers, she's pouring out some of that fragrance that you poured into her life for Jesus. And families have been affected in New Zealand because of what you've poured out into your daughter's life. Honor you today. Honor you moms for pouring out and pouring out into your kids' lives over the years. And maybe you're saying today, Daryl, you're highlighting specific moms. Are they not embarrassed? No, just relax, okay? I asked them beforehand if I could share something with them. So they're not embarrassed. But you know what happens when we build a proper family in this school hall? If we build a proper family here, we're going to become vulnerable with people. We're going to become trustworthy with people. We're going to learn how to let our hair down because we're building a family where we can let our hair down and we can say, I thank God for you. I nurture you. You encourage me. I thank God that we've been together where people have worshipped together, where people have got saved together, where we sharpen each other and we let our hair down. I want to build a church where I can get up and say, you know what? I was in deep, deep trouble that I actually went to go and see a psychologist and she helped me. And you don't judge me, sir. You don't think less of me. I want to build a church where I can let my hair down and feel safe. Because otherwise we're just going to play our religious thing. Alice is lacquer. Everything's okay. And I can't see beyond your heart. I can't get into your life because you're too proud, because you're too arrogant, because you're too flippin' religious. Let's get back to our story. This story is dealing with a humble prostitute and an arrogant 
Pharisee. And she comes with courage. She broke her perfume, her resources. She let down her hair and made herself vulnerable in front of Jesus. And she poured out her tears. Her tears. You, you know, in a woman's life, every woman, every mom in this whole world wants to be loved. She wants to be free. She wants to be clean. She wants to be whole. Every mom, every woman to be loved, to be free, to be clean, to be whole. This woman in this story, she wasn't loved. She wasn't free. She wasn't clean. She wasn't whole. But Jesus had touched her. She was dirty all over, but her tears started to clean Jesus' feet. Friends, when God touches you, everything inside of you becomes redemptive. Even your tears. And she must have thought, how is God ever going to use me again? And God touches her tears. And he takes her tears to clean Jesus' feet. Because that religious oak, Simon, he didn't wash Jesus' feet. Her tears washed Jesus' feet. There's a mom here today. I see she's a visitor for the very first time. Her husband was here last week for the first time. And I believe this mom needs a medal. Because she's married to a friend of mine who I've had the privilege of seeing at his best and his worst. A man who has spoken into my life many times. A man who God has used to play a big role at some crucial decision-making times of my life. But I think your husband has kept you, ma'am, on your knees before the Lord, praying and crying, praying and crying. As you poured out tears, come before God and, and cried over your husband. And I think one of the words I would use to describe your husband... Is a rebel. I remember he had that sticker on the back window of his black Lumina V8 Bucky. Rebel with a cause. Yeah. It was a picture of Jesus on the cross. Because the Pharisees and the world at times saw Jesus as a rebel. And I think of your husband, ma'am. I think of the tears that you've cried for your husband. To redeem things in his life and to soften a heart that was once hard. I think those tears have softened. God has used those tears that you've cried to soften your husband's heart. And I think that those tears that you've cried over your husband's life are going to play a big role in my friend responding the way he has to the redemptive story of Jesus and I think those tears could possibly be used in a massive way to ultimately see this nation respond to God's redemptive story. We honor you today. Moms, we honor you for all the tears that you've cried over your husbands and over your kids as you've come and poured out those tears at the feet of Jesus. I want to honor you today. And Jesus looked at her and he said to him do you see her that man in the story that pharisee's problem was that he didn't see jesus properly he didn't see himself properly and he didn't see her properly 
Because when Jesus looked at her, he didn't see her past. Jesus looked at her and saw her future. When the Pharisee looked at her, he saw her past. He didn't see her future. Friends, when the church looks at people through their past, we will be Pharisees. But when we see people through the cross and their future, we will be redemptive. Jean and Kirst, why don't you come and stand up here? I thought of a modern day example to this question. Is there a Pharisee inside of me? Is there a Pharisee inside of me? Because these two women are leading us in worship Sunday after Sunday. Two moms. And God has done a remarkable work in their lives. A worship leader who was burnt out and said, I'll never play in church again. But she comes with courage. She comes to Jesus. She sits at his feet and with her hair down, she sings and plays the piano and sometimes tears run down her cheeks because she actually doesn't care about us because Jesus has set her free and she's taking her resources and breaking them and pouring them out at the feet of Jesus. And Kirsty, never having played the drum, never having dreamed of standing on a stage in a worship team, but she says, I don't care what people think. I'm going to play that drum. Jean and Kirst, carry on worshiping Jesus as if we're not here on a Sunday. You sing and play and carry on worshiping Jesus as he's at his feet as you pour out perfume on Christ. And you pour it out and you pour it out and you pour it out. And there have been times on a Sunday, excuse me, John and Kirst, there have been times when I wish they would play a bit louder. I wish they would tone it down today. I wish they'd play a bit softer. I've just been honest. Because there's a Pharisee inside of me. I need to see her. I mean, really, really see her and see what God has done in her. And then... I will celebrate the perfume and the tears and the noise because it's a fragrant offering to Jesus. You keep singing. You keep playing that drum. Play it loudly until every pharisaical spirit leaves this church. We honor you today for worshiping and pouring out at the feet of Jesus. I wanted all the moms to come up to the front. Last year you were all on the stage and then this week we were thinking about it again and we reminded ourselves that at Freedom Church we always want to be inclusive, never exclusive. And so I know there's some women here today who still have a deep desire to become a mom and you haven't been afforded that privilege. And so we want all the women, young and old, to come up this morning and stand in front here. As the men sit at the back. I look at the woman and I say, do you see this woman? Do you see this woman? What do you see? What do you really see in these women here today? What do you see in your sister? 
What do you see in the mother of your children? What do you see in your mom? What do you see when you look at these women? Because if you really, really see these women up here today, through the redemptive eyes of Jesus, you will treat them the same way Jesus does. And you won't be able to see them the same way Jesus does if you haven't seen Jesus properly. If you haven't seen yourself properly. I want to say to you today, men, have you seen Jesus properly? I want to pray with you after this morning's service if you've never seen Jesus properly. I want to say to the men and young people at the back, when you sing this song, sing the words, think about the words, because you won't be able to love your mom and wife properly the way Jesus wants you to, if you don't understand what it really means to see Jesus. To the moms and ladies standing up front here today, as you stand in awe of Jesus, we honor you. We honor you, moms and women, for having courage to serve Jesus, even when it's tough, even when it's lonely. And we honor you for reminding us to keep breaking our resources and pouring them out on the feet of Jesus. We honor you for allowing God to use your tears and the tough times. And we stand together as men behind you and we honor you today. And as you stand, ladies, and sing this song, no man standing on the stage leading you in this song, only Jesus, as Jean and Kirst and Madeleine stand and sing and lead you in this song, we pray that you would sing with courage and pour out everything, your everything inside of you, every emotion, every thought, because he has canceled every debt, whether it's a debt of 50, or a debt of 500, or a debt of 5,000. Maybe you're saying, Daryl, my debt is 5 million. Jesus cancels all your debts. Stand and sing with courage, not worried about man, and let your head down as you stand in front of Jesus, who is trustworthy and beautiful in Jesus' name.